Welcome to the Teachers Matter podcast, where we share stories, strategies, and wisdom to inspire your teaching and enhance your life. We'll go beyond the theory by sharing tips, tools, and actions that will help you to create a positive difference in your life at home and school. With your hosts, Karen Tui Boys and Megan Gallagher. A number of years ago, we were very lucky to have Celia Lashley speaking at the Teachers Matter conferences. And Celia, who, if you don't know her, was a champion for fairness, for equity, for fighting for the wee guy. She spoke to us as teachers and said that we were in the giving profession. And it was the first time I'd ever heard heard anybody actually call teaching a giving profession. And it really struck a chord for me. She went on to say that in the giving profession, if you're not prepared to give, get out because you're not going to do a good job. However, if you give and give and give, you run the risk of bleeding out and then you've got nothing left to give. And so she she cautioned us on that and she encouraged us to look after ourselves. It just really captured me, the whole concept of being part of a giving profession where generosity is actually one of the core things that we offer. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Hi, I'm Karen Tui Boys, and I am a champion for lifelong learning. And I am Megan Gallagher, and it's my pleasure and privilege to ignite your spark. I love seeing people step into their flame and go out there and live the best lives they can with what they've got right now. So as Meg said, we're going to be talking about generosity. And Mm -hmm. so what is it, Meg? So generosity is really about giving without expecting something in return or seeking personal gain. So it comes from this genuine desire to have a positive impact and contribute to the welfare of others, whether it's individuals, community or society as a whole. It's about wanting to make that difference with what you've got and how you can show up in the world. Yeah, sharing our gifts. Yes, yeah. So I know that we've talked about what it is. What does it involve? So it involves a whole lot of different things. You know, giving is one of those natural things that we think about for a start off. But giving can look different and it's not only presents. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. And not everybody loves presents all the time. But this is about giving resources. It's about giving assistance, giving time, energy. So it's bigger and broader than, than just giving gifts. It's also about sharing, sharing what you've already got. Yeah, so it's about sharing resources with another teacher who is struggling or needs some extra support or just sitting down and having a chat with someone at lunchtime and sharing your time with a child or with a teacher or even a parent so that you're giving your time without expecting anything in return because it's what they need. Being able to aid those who require assistance in any way that you can without depleting yourself necessarily. And that's a really important thing that we'll come back to as we go through today. Another one is about helping. And this is around, and one of the things that that really gets me is that often we won't help children where we would help an adult. Oh, say more about that. So, you know, like sometimes I sit there and I hear people say things like, if a child's lost a pencil or can't find a pen or something, we go, well, you were given your pens at the start of the year, go and find one. You need to be responsible for your pens and pencils, da-da-da-da-da. If an adult goes, oh, man, I forgot my pen, 
what do we do? We go, oh, look, I'm sure I've got one here. Hang on, let me help. And I know that what we're trying to do with our children is teach them independence and responsibility and everything else. But I do wonder if there's a, an inequity in there and that actually in helping them, we are demonstrating to them what it means to help another person and that it's actually okay to seek help and to receive it and to give it. And so that's something I think I know for me that I've reflected on in my own practice because I've noticed myself do it and then thought, oh, I'm being a little unfair. Yes, I've heard that in the parenting circles about you're out for a walk and it starts to get cold and rainy and, and your child doesn't have their jacket. And you've got two choices. You've got the choice to go, well, you were told to bring your jacket and so now you're going to find out what it's like. Or you can be kind and generous and give them your jacket because they're cold. And so it's not necessarily the right time for that teachable moment. <laughs> That we talk about. Yeah, hypothermia isn't really a good way to give a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps not. I love this. It's also, and I guess that dovetails into the next part, which is the acts of kindness. It's yeah. just, even if it's a random act of kindness, just doing something, maybe it's offering a compliment. Maybe it's expressing some gratitude that someone's done something for you. Or even just performing a random act of kindness, putting a, a chocolate bar in somebody's cubby hole because you know they've had a bad day and you don't even need them to know it was you. And I love, I love the things of, of people telling stories about each other, the positive stories. So saying things like, oh, go and have a look at so-and-so's classroom. They've got an awesome display up there for matariki or for dinosaurs or whatever they've been working on. And so sharing the good news with other people and those those compliments that go further than just one one to the other. I think it's really beautiful. I think I've talked about this before, but we used to do that when our children were little on the telephone. The telephone would ring and I'd pick it up and say, this is the proud mother of, and mention one of my children. Or when I knew they were listening, I'd go, you wouldn't believe what they did today. And I say something positive and just so they can hear it. So I guess that's a, a, a bit of a random act of kindness as well. Yeah, because it's recognition. Yes. It's recognition of, of what they're doing. And it's actually, I suppose it's about honouring their personhood by sharing it with somebody else. Hmm. Generosity also includes empathy and compassion. So this is about having that empathy and compassion for others, understanding that it's not always easy for others, that they might have struggles or needs different to your own. And I personally know that as I ran the Teacher AIDS Matter Summit, and I've just interviewed somebody else around learning differences and learning sensory differences. I'm still learning about, oh, that's why somebody's like that. My empathy and my compassion for them is these people have gone up as I really understood what drives their behavior. And it allows me to respond differently in a more generous hearted way. Yeah. And, and that works for children, for adults, for people that you meet down the street, for somebody who might be a little unpleasant on Facebook or social media. I really love, Celia talked about stepping inside someone else's bubble. So she said, you imagine everybody's got a bubble around us, around them, that our job is to take our shoes off and step gently inside the bubble and sit with the person to understand their worldview 
which might be entirely different to yours, and that's actually okay. You don't have to change your worldview, you don't have to believe what they believe, but if you really want to understand them, you need to sit alongside them, rather than go in with your beliefs foisted upon them, and that's an act of compassion. And Brene Brown also talks about generous assumptions, and I love this. And it's about believing that people are generally doing the best they can with what they have right now. Now, if somebody's really annoyed you, that's very hard to do. <laughs> this, is where, this is where your generosity comes in big time and that compassion and empathy. It doesn't absolve people from wrongdoing. It doesn't mean that they are no longer accountable for their behavior. But what it does is it allows us to step back and rather than judge them, to, to maybe understand a little bit about where they might have come from. And then we don't carry the weight of judgment either, because judgment is heavy. It's heavy. It, yeah, it holds us back. So if we can generously assume that most people are doing the best they can with what they've got right now, then it takes the heat out of interactions and it allows us to then love more okay. and to be more generous. I think the bottom line about this is that it's a genuine desire to help alleviate someone's maybe hardship or struggles from not from our position but from theirs and to help improve their well-being. That's what the generosity is about. Yeah. And and it's pro-social. So it's to improve something for someone else. So it does come with some challenges though, Karen. Tell us more. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. So there are some challenges. You know, yes, we can be generous, but if we're being generous to a fault, where we're actually diminishing our own well-being, then things are out of balance. And actually, we can't serve others well if we don't care for ourselves. So if we want to be able to serve and be generous with others, we need to care for ourselves. And sometimes that can get out of balance. There's some some of the challenges are things like limited resources in schools we don't have an inexhaustible supply of money therefore we don't have an inexhaustible supply of resource time energy do you mm. want to talk a little bit about the energy thing because i know you've been looking at something very interesting lately well i've just interviewed alan nathan who's an occupational therapist and she talked about spoon theory and so she's talking about it from the occupational therapist lens, but I think it's absolutely brilliant and actually can cover so many different realms. And so the spoon theory goes like this. Imagine that everybody wakes up with 100 spoons of energy and that should be enough to get us well through the day, except things that we encounter throughout the day for some people, maybe take one spoon and some people maybe take 10 spoons of energy to get through. Everybody has different tasks that we have to get through the day. And even Alan was actually saying, even at, as a student holding a pencil, for many kids, it's, it's hardly any mm. given into holding a pencil, but some of them, they're having to hold it tight so it doesn't fall out. They're having to make sure they don't rip the paper. They are having to look up and down with their head and therefore their pencil moves up and down because the system isn't independent enough to be able to do that. And so actually writing for some children can take 10 spoons. And how often do we have them doing that during a day and wonder why they are exhausted or spoonless or energyless? 
by the end of the day. And so, but what she said, and this is the bit I really wanted to get to, was that sometimes as teachers, what we do with a generous heart is that we see a child is struggling and doesn't have enough spoons. So we give them one of ours or two spoons of ours. The problem with that is, is that by some, by the end of the day or even halfway through the day, we have given all our spoons away. We've got none left for ourselves. And then we start using tomorrow's spoons. Mm. And it's not useful because then that's when we start leading to burnout, to exhaustion, to just not being able to cope because we haven't got our spoons left. So we have to manage our spoons as well as our students. So this idea of generosity we need to make sure that we are not being over generous with our energy and our spoons. And actually that made me think of what I was saying before about Brene Brown's generous assumptions is if we don't, if we step into judgment, so we assume people are doing things deliberately to get on our nerves or to upset us. And so then we get upset. It's like we then start throwing spoons here, there and everywhere. So we're like giving up six or seven spoons worth of energy and being upset about something because we've decided to assume the worst of the person as opposed to assuming the best. And think about the conversations in a staff room, actually. In many staff rooms, a teacher walks in at morning tea and goes, oh, you wouldn't believe. And it's <laughs> negative rant that goes on from them. And then I wonder how many spoons that takes. Mm. Whereas if, if we came in with that generous spirit of heart and going that child or that person or that event, the person was doing the best that they can, maybe we can come into the staff room and say, hey, I've got this challenge. Could somebody help me? And mm. so that we've got a different energy vibe with it, I guess. Yeah. And even if it is, I've had a heck of a morning. I just need to take a few deep breaths and who knows where the chocolate biscuits are. If you need to do, maybe don't lean on chocolate biscuits if you need to refuel your tank, but sometimes it's nice to have a quiet cup of tea and a wee bicky, but do what you need to do to to build up those reserves again before you go back out and being able to acknowledge that. And I think that that collegial relationship where we can go for support and we can feel that there is a positive supportive community of, of colleagues around us. I, I don't actually think, I know it makes a tremendous difference to teacher wellbeing. There is a plethora of research out there that supports it. Well, that's what your research showed, right? Yeah, and, and there's just a massive amount of stuff out there that supports that those positive collegial relationships really are pivotal. And so we can help each other. We can hold each other up and we can actually lift each other up, which is mm. fantastic. I think one um, of the other um, uh, challenges, I guess, with generosity is the emotional toll that oh, it has. And so you've sort of mentioned that, but we'll just put a label on it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, when we run out of spoons and we're struggling emotionally and we're witnessing struggles of others, it can be really, really hard. So it's about finding that balance. And you talk about boundaries. Yeah. Like in coaching, we do the same thing. You know, when you're sitting there with a, with a client, they come with, with all of their emotions and, and that safe space that we create everything comes out and ideally that's what we want however if we take that on that becomes heavy and weighty and and uses a lot of energy so we have to create boundaries to keep ourselves safe 
and to support the other people so that they can go through their own journey and their own pathways and they can learn. Because one of the things and as, as a helper, and I can say this hand on heart because I do this, I try very hard not to, but as helpers, we try to fix people. We try to fix things for people because we want everybody to be happy. And this is where we're leaning into people pleasing, which is actually moving away from generosity in itself. Because what people pleasing is doing is desperately trying to make sure that everybody likes us and that everybody is happy. And it's not caring for ourselves. and It's actually not really caring for the other person either. We're just trying to meet a need and to, to affirm a belief that we have that we're not worthy unless other people like us or think that we're amazing. So it's really important to put these boundaries around ourselves so that we don't slip into that. So boundaries are things like being clear and consistent and respectful about what is mine and what is not mine. It is not mine to carry your feelings. I can be empathetic, I can be compassionate, but I'm not going to wear your feelings for you. It is not my job to fix your problem. I can help. I can be a guide on the side. I can be a listening ear. I can be the person you come to for a big hug when everything crumbles around you. That might make you feel like you're getting your broken bits put back together again. But ultimately, I can't be responsible for the glue that actually holds those together again. And knowing that in yourself will help you then to communicate those boundaries to others. And, I, and like I say, I am a work in progress with this, but I know when I'm firm about my boundaries, I am more well, and therefore I am actually of better service to the people that I care for or want to care for and want to help than if I don't have those boundaries. Absolutely. I find exactly the same in my own life. I think one of the other final parts of around this challenges is that being generous doesn't mean doing the same thing for every person. Because if I buy an ice cream for everybody, but there's some people who don't like ice cream, I'm not sure that's actually being generous. So it's this fairness and equity that we have to be aware of as well. So making sure that if we're being generous, we're doing it in a way that's going to be received by that other person as generosity, something that they truly need, not that we think they need. Yeah, and there's that lovely quote, treat me not as you would like to be treated, but as I would like to be treated. Uh, so it's about treat me as I want to be treated, which means that you need to know what I need, which means you need to listen to me and learn to, learn to understand me first. Get inside my bubble first before assuming that what you've got to give me is what I need, because that might also cause problems. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So let's do the flip side now. We've looked at some of the challenges and yeah. actually talk about generosity fatigue before we move on. Oh, yes, please do. It's actually a thing, generosity fatigue, that we just get so exhausted from giving, 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 giving. And if we're getting exhausted from it, it's probably because we are expecting something back rather than just truly living for that, the joy of actually helping and helping others with their challenges and their well-being or whatever it is that we're doing. And that, that goes back to what Celia was talking about right at the start. If we give and give and give and we don't fill ourselves up, then we risk, run the risk of bleeding out. And then we've got nothing to give. So some of the benefits of generosity are things like in a classroom, it enhances that student-teacher relationship. Because yeah. when you know your students, when you have that 
understanding of who they are, then it's easier to meet their needs. It's easier to understand them and be generous in a way that's going to help them to be the best learner in the classroom. And then that in turn increases the student engagement and motivation because, you know, look, kids learn from people they like, right? They, they will trust you because they think that you know them. They feel like you know them, that you care about them and that you want them to succeed and they're going to work harder. They're going to want to do the work. That's it's what about, we want. Absolutely. It's about that positive role modeling, right? That mm. if we are the role models of generosity from truly from our heart, then students go, oh, that's what an adult does. They may or may not have a generous adult in their home life and parenting is hard. And I remember it was only a few years ago that I realized how generous my mother was because she's always been very hard on me. And when I said this to a cousin, she went, of course, your mother's one of the most generous people I know. And I went, not to me. And she said, ah, she's bred you to be, to be strong. And I went, okay. But now I can see the generosity. Now I can step back and maybe that's just a thing of being older and being able to look through different lenses. I'm not sure, but it's, I think the positive role modeling is about teaching important values like empathy, kindness, community engagement. And because these things are crucial for a well-rounded person. Absolutely. And actually I'd have to say that I think your mother probably taught you a bit about generosity too, because that's how you live your life. <laughs> so you might've learned something from watching that wonderful role modeling perhaps. <laughs> Maybe I have. <laughs> I will thank my mother next time I speak to her. <laughs> Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt, no. It also increases classroom morale, right? And you sort of said this before, because we have that unity among students, teachers encouraging acts of generosity within each other so that it's not that the teacher isn't always the first responder when something goes wrong. Another student can say, oh, I've got a pencil you can borrow. And so that they become the one that's generous and, and showing those traits as well. And again, coming right back to that belonging, it creates that bigger sense of belonging. And all of this, this, what we're talking about happening in a classroom is exactly what can happen in a staff room. We just, the same thing from generosity with each other and it creates a greater sense of morale. By being generous, it makes it possible sets a role model, a standard for others to be generous. Um, and it means that people are more likely to be motivated to step up, to be engaged in what's going on. So then we're getting that distributive leadership, the sharing of responsibilities, so it doesn't land on one person's shoulders. And all of that contributes to a happier, healthier, entire school learning community, actually because then we go back into our classrooms and we're generous there because we've experienced it within the staff room. So Meg, you've got a, a quote, I believe, to finish up with. Oh, yes. Now, this was from John Weasley, not to be confused with Ron Weasley. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever beautiful a wonderful reminder that it is about doing whatever we can however 
not at the expense of ourselves, that when we serve others, we're doing it to help humanity to to make that bigger difference that we really want to make. And we also need to look after ourselves first because what you do matters. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Matter podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more teachers and educators. So please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps. And if you enjoyed the podcast and would like to have more resources and information, head on over and join us at spectrumeducation.com.